Welcome to the Misfit Stars podcast. I'm Shannon Curtis. And I'm Jamie Hill. Hello, everybody. Hi, Shannon. Hi, Jamie. How are you doing? I'm okay, yeah. Good, good, uh-huh. good, cool. Uh, all right, people. Later on in this episode, we are going to be talking about how we are feeling and processing things now that we're no longer in imminent danger. What do you, what do you mean by no longer in imminent danger? Uh, you know, with uh, the toxic administration that we lived under for the last four oh. years, and of course, the horrible year before it. It was really a five-year process because the... Uh, campaign yeah, was uh, yeah. messed up. Yeah. Really messed up. True. So, yeah. So, I mean, you mean we're going to be talking about how we've just like flipped a switch on Inauguration Day and everything's fine now? Right. <laughs> That's exactly what we're going to be talking Actually, about. Actually, not that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, people, Misfit Stars is a way in which our community supports the work that we do. So, who is we? We is Shannon and me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're a pair of working artists. Quick question about that. Do we have a trust fund, Shannon? No. Uh-uh. Will, will we be receiving a large inheritance at any point? Not that I know of. Man, wouldn't it be nice, though? Hey, uh, rich listeners, <laughs> think about that. Uh, but yeah, uh, we do a lot of different things for our people, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it is music-related. Some of it is making music. You make albums all the damn yeah, time. You yeah. write songs. Holy hell, they're amazing. Love them so Thanks. much. I really think they enrich people's lives. I hope so. I hope so. That's the goal, right? I produce records and mix records for other people uh, with the same goal in mind. Some of it, is, of course, is paid work. It's what I do. A lot of it these days isn't because our community supports us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can do work for free for people who are deserving but don't have any budget, which, I mean, I'm working with independent artists. That's a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I want it to be sustainable. It's funny. I was negotiating pricing on mixing a record just the other day, and I told the person I was talking with about it, like, this needs to be sustainable because if you if we enjoy this working relationship, I don't want you to blow your entire life's worth of money to spend no. on mixing records on one record, and then we can't do any more records. Right. So let's make it sustainable. Let's make something that if you want to keep doing this, we can keep doing this. Right. And for some people, that amount of money is so low as to be basically nothing. That our Misfit Stars community is helping make that possible. They, they literally pay for my time mm-hmm. to like work with other artists. Yep. It's really amazing. Yeah. I am mentoring for completely free five different artists right now. Right. And it is so rewarding. One of them just had this huge aha moment about how to build a mix the other day, <laughs> which is a hard thing to get your head around. It's so easy for me, but like for people, if, like if you don't know it, like like learning it's a really steep curve and she did it. Yeah. And also, by the way, it's a she because mm-hmm. I'm teaching a bunch of women how to empower themselves like with the, the ability skills, to make yeah. music, the technical skills to make mm-hmm. music because women are criminally and critically underrepresented in engineering. We're changing that. Yeah. The so, Misfit Stars community is helping us change yeah, that. Yeah, so there's the music making, there's the there's the production work, there's the mentoring work, there's this, this podcast, there's yeah. the community that we um, are are continuously fostering uh, with and nurturing. Yeah. Um, and, and really, the community themselves are doing a lot of that work themselves, making relationships with each other, supporting each other. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, all that stuff is supported by our Misfit Stars patron community. The the subscribers to Misfit Stars are making all those things possible. Yeah. And making all of them possible in a in a way in which you and I feel literally supported. Like we're not worried about having a roof over our head or being able to pay our bills or yeah. eat food. We can do our work. We can do these things in a uh from a place of abundance and joy uh because our Misfit Stars community supports us with that kind of um support. What this means, practically speaking, people, is that, uh, first of all, if you are already a supporting member of Misfit Stars, 
oh my gosh, thank you so much. We literally couldn't do anything we do without you. True. If you're not yet a supporting member, but you want to be a part of putting this kind of goodness into the world, first of all, thank you. We need more people like you. Mm. Uh, and you just go to misfitstars.com slash join and you get signed up. It's a $5 a month monthly commitment. You can do more if you're wealthy. Please do. I mean, do like a thousand bucks a month. Holy hell, <laughs> that would be so helpful. Are you kidding me? Most people, literally no one can do that. Yeah. But you know, if you could, please do mm. it. But you know, the point is we want to be doable for people. So we've, we have priced it low, but it adds up. We're crowdsourcing, mm -hmm. uh, you know, support for what we do. And yes. you can be a little tiny voice in that choir if you would so choose. Yes. And also know that we are cooking up uh, some really fun and exciting new things exclusively for our Misfit Stars community, yep. for the people who are, are in, in that Misfit Stars community. I'm so excited. There's, there's, this is like super vague booking right now because I'm, I can't say anything more about it <laughs> at the moment, but I'm really excited about um, the stuff that we've got in yeah. store for this community in the coming months. So, um, so yeah, go to misfitstars.com slash join and join the group. Join the group. Yeah. Join the team. Join the crew. You kind of were going to say crew and group. I couldn't and you decide. you said group, which is actually like a Victorian <laughs> disease. So don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's it for the uh, Misfit Stars ad. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the ad, everybody. Uh -huh. Hey, Shannon, do you have any announcements? Announcements. 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 Hell yeah. I have one announcement. Okay. Uh, no, you, you have two. Oh, I do. Oh, I do have two. Oh, oh, I do. You added two announcements to my script. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out. Yep. I hadn't read that before. Mm -hmm. mm, yeah. Anyway, first announcement yes. is that this Saturday, January 30th, is our monthly uh, live acoustic concert. Misfit Stars acoustic concert. It is brought to you by our Misfit Stars community. This is one of the things that we promised we would do uh, when we reached a certain number of supporters last spring. And so here we are doing our monthly acoustic concert. Um, promises made, promises kept. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> An American flag and eagle soars. Ah! Oh man, if we could yeah. have an eagle at our acoustic concert, no, that would be badass. No, Anyway, uh, we're doing our concert this Saturday night. And here's the deal. We are going to be simulcasting. That sounds so futuristic and yeah. like cool. We're simulcasting the concert on YouTube and on Facebook Live. Mm -hmm. um, reason for that is that Facebook Live is only available to folks who are on Facebook. And there's a lot of people who aren't on Facebook. Yeah, who, increasingly. In, in, yeah, in increasing numbers. So we are, uh, we are sort of, we've been doing, we were doing these mostly on Facebook Live yeah. until a couple months ago. Um, but we are, we are shifting things. So our focus is going to be more in the YouTube realm. And that's just because YouTube Live is accessible to anyone. You don't have to have an account with YouTube to, to view a, a YouTube Live video. Anyone can come and watch it. Yeah. Uh, which is great. And uh, we want to be as inclusive as we can be. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, the, it'll be, right, I, I just sent out a link where you can actually set a reminder yeah. to watch on YouTube. And you're going to post that on your website too. Uh, yep, I sure will. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and but we'll be on Saturday, January 30th, seven o'clock Pacific time. 10 Eastern. 10 Eastern. Um, Some ungodly hour in the UK. Yeah. We, we probably will have people tuning in at that ungodly hour. Gary Gary's going to be there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, the songs, by the way, are being chosen. The songs for the set list are being chosen right now by our Misfit Stars community. Uh, so if you're in the Misfit Stars group listener and you haven't yet cast your ballot, you have until 
like Friday night to do it because Saturday we spend all day rehearsing and getting ready for the show Saturday night. Yeah. So what does rehearsing look like? I have to learn like twelve <laughs> songs on piano. Shannon has to print out all her lyrics. Remember how the hell she sang the songs? It's true. I I but but here's the thing: we're getting into some like deep historical cuts yeah. because every month we uh, we eliminate from the ballot songs that we've already done at previous acoustic concerts. Mm-hmm. So. Like I've I have I mean, I've been getting a sneak peek on what's rising to the top on the balloting this mm. this month. And it's really fun. Like there's some like there's one really deep old cut that's uh. definitely gonna make it in. Like I it's got so many votes at this point that there's no way that it's gonna be surpassed. I love it. And I'm I'm stoked to be able to do it. Like uh. I'm really excited. How great. So, you know, th- it's fun. So some of these though are older songs, and I'm like, like I haven't actually performed them in years. Yeah. <laughs> so I do have to print out all my lyrics and remember how they go. Uh, um, Love it. But we're going to have stories. We'll have history about the songs. We'll have con- uh, stories that have been contributed by our Misfit stars. They've shared with us like why some songs are important to them or a story mm-hmm. related to it. So it's just going to be a really great time. Mark your calendars. Set your spy watches. Saturday. Oh, spy watches. We have spy watches now. Saturday, January. No, it's true. We do. We do? Yeah, like Apple watches are literally spying. Oh, that's true. But they're spying on us. I mean, I that's a twist. I don't have one. Yeah, the twist is the watches are spying on us. <laughs> that's funny so yes Saturday January 30th 7pm Pacific at 10pm Eastern we hope to see you on YouTube or Facebook yep we do yeah uh, and announcement number two Shannon oh, oh I'm sorry I, I forgot completely so here's the deal uh, Valentine's Day is coming up and I know that some people celebrate Valentine's Day mm-hmm. uh, some people think it's the stupidest holiday ever and yeah. I, 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 I understand that hey if you think about it as commemorating a massacre it gets markedly more goth <laughs> is that what it is Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Maybe we can talk about that on the Valentine's Day episode <laughs> of Misfit Stars podcast. Um, but, you know, the, I know that, you know, for instance, my mom, her, she always thought, she always told us that Valentine's Day is her favorite holiday. Like, when I was a kid, I knew this about my mom. And um, and she didn't have, uh, she, she was she was in a marriage that wasn't, uh, full of connection and romance no. <laughs> at all. So it's not like it was her favorite holiday because of a romantic partner. No. That was not part of it. But she lavished her her messages of love for me and my sister on Valentine's Day. And she like she would make she would decorate the table, like the dinner, the dining table with like, you know, pink and red hearts and lace and doilies and oh, all the candles like that and classic eighties like oh, stuff. Yes, well oh. it was the eighties. So of course, you know, very, how great. Very on brand. Yeah. Um, but you know, and then she would make like a super fancy meal. Like she learned how to make chicken Kiev and made that for Valentine's dinner wow. multiple times. It's that really fancy like dish. It's a Russian dish where mm-hmm. you cut into this breaded and fried chicken piece and it's filled with butter in the middle and you cut in and just, it was like, I was, it was super fancy. It was like yeah. we were eating a gourmet meal, yeah. you know, at my, at our own dining table. Aww. But my mom would do this. She would go to great, she would make chocolate mousse. She has made you and me special Valentine's dinners as 40 plus year old true. adults in her home. So, you know, I, I, I understand folks who are like Valentine's day, bleh. Yeah. But I also understand folks who are like, Valentine's Day, what a great like excuse to lavish love on people that we love. Yeah. And not necessarily romantic partners. Yes. So uh, anyway, in that spirit, um, every year I hang a shingle out for personal songs for Valentine's Day. Personal songs? What's that? Personal songs is, is I will write a song for you about your thoughts and feelings about someone that you love, and then you can give them that song as a gift. Wait, you mean like, like anyone can just come in off the street and get you to write a song for... 
someone they love. Well, they can hire me to do that. Yes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's not like I'm taking. That's the, yeah, get, but the, yeah, hiring yes. is a form of getting, really. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It is something I do for pay for work. Yes. <laughs> um, but yes, anyone can do this. And so all you need to do is send me uh, an email, and I will let you know what the pricing is. Uh, we've got a couple different options for different like sizes of projects, which yeah. cost different amounts, and also you take- can kind of do the normal amount or the. Wow. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's like a normal version and a wow version. Yeah. yeah. But I will send you all the information about, about those uh, options, about how it all works. Um, and yeah. So if you'd like to do this for Valentine's Day, now would be a great time to get that started. How do they get in touch with you? You can email me at skc at shannoncurtis.net. What's that again? skc at shannoncurtis.net. Awesome. Awesome. And people, you have about 10 days, I think, for this. Uh, I think that if we were to get a personal song order within 10 days from now, Shannon could yeah. just squeak it in under the line. Yeah. Try to make it nine, though. Yeah. <laughs> Try to make it five. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, you're right about that. Cool. And that's actually now the end of my announcements. Great. Good job. Thank you. Uh, how are you feeling? Oh. <sighs> Well, let me just take a breath here. Okay. Think about that. Mm -hmm. You know, it used to be really hard for me to identify how I'm feeling. It was like a defining problem in your life. In an earlier version of my life, in an earlier chapter of my life, I it it created anxiety inside of me. You should tell them about the code of paper that they passed around. I'm about to right now. Yeah. Yeah. So it used to create anxiety inside my body to to have to answer the question, "How are you feeling?" Hmm. Because I spent a lot of my life. I think not making room for my own feelings, mm-hmm. you know, not not allowing myself to feel them or deferring my feelings uh, to make room for other people's feelings. And so that's when part of someone my... was like, how are you feeling? You're like, well, how do you want me to feel? Exactly. Yeah. That's a really great way of saying it. Um, yeah, or, or or not asking how do you want me to feel, but trying to like divine how they might want me to feel. <laughs> I'm yeah. trying, trying to like guess. Or even better, <laughs> manipulating them into feeling good about you. I mean, right. it's all that's very complicated. All, that's, the, that's codependency 101 yeah. and 102 that you just described right there. Um, but yeah, so like when I first joined CODA, Codependence Anonymous, one of the activities- It's like AA, but for codependency. It's re- yeah, it's 12-step recovery for codependency, uh, which I credit for saving my life. Yeah, in the same way that AA saved mine. <laughs> yeah, um, I would go to my these meetings and one of the activities we would do is we'd sit in this, this circle and this this- church basement. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was not a church, uh, it was not a church run uh, uh, group. It and was, to be clear, we people, just used the building. 12-step <laughs> groups n- never are church run. Right. They're independently run by the by the people who show up at them. It's yeah. member run. But if you need a good place to meet that's super cheap to rent, yeah. church basements that, are always it. Because yeah. you can rent a church basement for an hour once a week for like 20 bucks. Yeah, so that's where we, that's our group rented that space and used it. Anyway, one of the activities we would do is, is upon sitting down in that circle, one of the very first things in the meeting was they would pass around a sheet, this, you know, just copied copies of this sheet of paper. So everyone had, had a copy. And it was just a list of like five columns on a, on a regular piece of paper size mm-hmm. of just words that described feelings. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember sitting there and being like, oh, you, I, I have to choose? Like at first it was it's like- like a menu of feelings. Overwhelming. But then I was like, okay, well, this is actually a really great exercise. Like I can go down this list and read these words. And when something kind of like ping inside me, I can identify that maybe that's what I'm feeling right now. You wow. know? And it was so helpful. I mean, it sounds so like rudimentary. It's and like, like teaching feelings to a first grader. But that's what I was doing. Yeah. I was learning how to identify and own my own feelings. Wow. And so 
Anyway, uh, part of when you ask me the question, how are you feeling? I oftentimes have to just take a minute and be and, and, and to like kind of go through the, the visual list Conjure in my list. mind, you know? <laughs> like I do, but it takes me a minute to actually get in touch with that. Um, and not just give an automatic response, you know? All right, you've just filibustered for like five minutes and bought yourself a bunch of time. I did not. So now, how are you feeling? I was explaining. I was explaining. No, you know, I... No, it's a helpful explanation, honestly, because I think that probably a lot more people struggle with that uh than maybe even know it. And to hear someone describe it could maybe be really helpful. So I'm glad you did that. I hope so. You know, I feel uh, in this moment, um, I feel content. Good. I feel uh, grateful. Uh Uh-huh. Um, and I'm feeling hopeful. Oh, good. And I, I think, so the contentment is coming from, uh, uh, just a place of, of, of enjoying my life, enjoying my partnership with you, mm. enjoying the work that I get to do. Um, the grateful is, uh, grateful for this, this place that we get to live. I feel comfortable and safe and warm here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also grateful I've been able to help my mom with some things that she's doing uh, remotely, help her. You know, she's doing some changes in her house and I've been able to help her. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to do that. It feels like, it feels makes me feel good yeah. to help. So I'm grateful. Um, and hopeful, you know, I, I think I'm feeling like, you know, for the last, and this kind of goes to some of what we're going to talk about in, in today's episode later, but for the last four years, I feel like every time a news alert has come up on my phone, I like brace myself for whatever bad news it's going to be. It was rarely good. And so I started calling my phone the bad news machine. <laughs> and um, and over the last several days, it's kind of become a bit more of a good news machine. And yeah. so sometimes, and it's not always, but sometimes when I get a news alert on my phone, it's something that says like the ban on transgender individuals serving in the military has been lifted. Oh my gosh, that's great news. Yes. Or it's news that uh, that deportations have been halted for yes. the time being um, while our completely screwed up immigration system is given a good look at and deciding how to go forward in a more just way. Oh my gosh, that's great news. Yeah. Uh, 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 just, you know, environmental news, going, getting back into the Paris Climate Treaty. Like, so many things have popped up. I'm like, oh, gosh, these are reasons I'm feeling hopeful. And so I'm feeling hopeful. That's my last emotion. And how are you feeling? Well, I love that. Uh, I'm feeling, how am I feeling specifically? Uh, big umbrella, good. Uh, I'm feeling energized. I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling uh, productive. Great. Yep. Uh, I'm also feeling um, a little like, I don't know, agitated, but not like in a negative way, <laughs> mm. but just not calm. Okay. If you know what I mean. Just, uh, but not hyped up either, mm-hmm. you know, just in this liminal place between calm and hyped up where I just feel like like I'm on, like I'm on simmer, like a <laughs> pre-boil or something, okay. you know? It's hard to explain. So do you think that, is, is this a feeling that you've had more than just in this moment? Like, has it lasted all day or for a couple of days? Or is it specific it's char- to right now? It's, I'm just trying to identify how I feel right now, but I do feel that I have been feeling this way for a, for, for a moment, for a okay. number of days, perhaps. Got it, got it. Yeah. Because I noted that you didn't make coffee before the podcast today, and you, you usually do. Well, and t- co- to be but, fair, I wanted to, but we were already sitting down. And- it's true. But what, what I'm saying is, though, that sometimes I think that coffee has the effect on you mm-hmm. personally in a way that makes those simmering feelings 
just go down a notch or two. Like Ritalin for an ADHD <laughs> child. No, totally. No, I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. But I wonder if that's maybe contributing to what you're feeling. Yeah, interesting. Very interesting. Very interesting. The lesson here, more coffee. Uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, things circle back to that lesson a lot, a lot yeah. in life. Totally, yeah. totally. But generally, general big picture, good. good. You know, uh, optimistic, uh, cheerful, uh, excited. Great. Yeah. That's great. So uh, last week. Gosh, well, last week we recorded last week's podcast on Tuesday evening, mm -hmm. uh, pre-inauguration Wednesday morning. Right. And so we were recording with the, with the idea that we thought that was all going to go as planned, and it did, thank God. Yes. Because <laughs> I, I remember a week ago, we were for sure leaving a little bit of space in our minds for the idea that the outgoing president could do one last very bad thing. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. No, we were not putting it past. Didn't happen. Yeah, thank goodness. Um, but, you know, uh, we, we, so we typically keep late hours where we, you know, we work late into the night, and we usually sleep later than the average bear. Uh, but next, Just last, as a side note. What? Like, how late do bears usually sleep? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. but I love uh, the idea of a bear sleeping until like 11 a.m. <laughs> but we... Been out late grubbing. Yeah, that's right. You just got to do late night grubbing. Aww. That's what we do. Yeah. So, but but we wanted to be up for the inauguration to watch it live on Wednesday morning. And so we got up at 7.30 in the morning and... Which we, should be clear, people, is four hours earlier than we usually yeah. get up. So we we had arranged... It's like you getting up at three. <laughs> we had arranged to, uh, to, uh, to be able to watch it live... <laughs> By getting a one-month free trial subscription to one of those TV services, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yes. But uh, we were able to watch it live. So, so we we watched and we watched uh, like what fourteen hours of inauguration oh, <laughs> coverage I mean, that day. <laughs> minimally fifteen, sixteen. We did yeah. pop out in the middle of the day for an errand, and you took a nap at one point. But you know, it was just like an all-day inauguration fest. Yeah. Um, but it would be fun to like. Just talk about some of the highlights. Oh, of yeah, the day. let's do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what was your first highlight? <sighs> I mean, uh, it's the second thing on the list. I'll leave the first fine. thing on the list for you, but I mean, Amanda Gorman, obviously, oh, that young poet. Yes. Gosh, just, I hope maybe one day before I die to achieve that level of poise oh. that she has already naturally at age 22, which is annoying. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Some people just like are born with that level of poise. You know what? Because he is so effortlessly and humbly displayed. You was know, just so inspiring. She, I read somewhere that she actually has a pretty crippling speech impediment. Really? And she's had to work to overcome that. So, I mean- Yes, she has a natural presence about her, which, you know, speech impediment or not would be a part of who she is as a person. Yeah. But she's also had to work really hard to communicate that presence the right. way that, in, in the effective way that she's learned how to do. I love the parallel, though, of someone with a, a speech impediment having overcome it, delivering that, like, most memorable moment of the inauguration for a president who has overcome stutter. Yeah. Like that's amazing. Like Super it was cool. just really, really neat. So yeah. yeah, she was she was brilliant. I um I wanted to one of my highlights was Michelle Obama. <laughs> <laughs> just and, the fact that she still exists. Well, yeah. <laughs> they, when she came on camera at first when they when when uh when uh President Obama and, and she arrived at the Capitol and the, the camera just landed on her, I'm I it like it took my breath away. Yeah. She's just a queen. Like a, a vision in purple. Oh my god. Like yeah, I, I, just her her presence is regal. Yeah. That is that is the only way to describe it. I also noted she was wearing the same color, by the way, that she wore four years ago at the inauguration. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. She was wearing the same color 
which is like a, it was like a burgundy kind of color that yeah. she was wearing. Um, but four years ago, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember it. I remember noting it the day of the inauguration four years ago. She had her, like, it's like she barely took the time she had her hair pulled back in a bun, <laughs> minimal makeup. It was like, I'm I'm here, but I don't want to be here. I've been up for 48 hours crying, and now I'm at an inauguration. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, <laughs> she looked how I felt four years ago. Yeah. And then to see her image this time, like, to, when she popped on screen last Wednesday, and I saw that, oh, my God, that wave in her hair and that long coat and that gold belt and just... Yeah. She just, I mean, even behind a mask, yeah. you could tell she was just glowing. Yeah. And I was, I just, I, the, the, the contrast with four years ago was striking to me. And it, it was just so emblematic of, you know, of, of how I felt then and how I felt now or how I feel now. And it's one of those things that like, yes, somebody's looks, their attire, their hair, their makeup, their clothes can be a superficial-ish kind of thing. It can also be used to great effect to communicate the 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 um, what's going on inside you? Totally. <laughs> you know what I mean. And I feel like she was just such a such a representation. I of mean, that. there's a reason I'm so intentional about the t-shirts I wear. It's true. And, you know, and the all black all the time. <laughs> well, yeah, it's communicating something. Yeah, it really <laughs> <laughs> it is. What else? What's another highlight? Uh, Biden saying white supremacy and systemic racism in his inaugural speech w- with that platform and that audience. What a I mean, it's a landmark moment in our nation's history. Have those words ever been uttered at an inaugural speech before by no, a president? No, they have not. I, don't, I mean, I don't think that they have. Maybe someone's got better history on this than I do. But man, like, this isn't, these are issues that people in politics and even plenty of presidents have known are serious issues we need to deal with yeah. upon their inauguration. Yeah. But they're, they were kind of issues that, you know, general public sort of accepted it was like maybe impolite to talk about. Well, that's bullshit, first of all. <laughs> but you know, like the, like we've reached an era where the president of the United States at his inauguration is saying these words out loud, no longer, you know, keeping them under this cover of, oh, it's impolite to talk about racism and white supremacy or, yeah. or it's too hot button of it. No, it's needed to talk about because it's a, it's a poison in our culture that if we don't deal with, we're going to ruin ourselves. Yes. And you know, it's striking also because like he doesn't come from like the Bernie and AOC wing of the Democratic Party. You know no, what I mean? Uh-uh. He is a committed centrist. Right. I mean, his def- defining political characteristic for his incredibly long career Mm -hmm. has been that he has looked to see where he can find common ground between two sides of a thing. Right. Like he is the very definition of an intentional centrist. Mm -hmm. And for someone who is such an intentional centrist to center those ideas, I mean, talk about like, like it was almost like he was. It was like a coronation. It was like there. It was like those two ideas debutante ball. Like mm-hmm. here is where you are coming out to mm-hmm. acceptance in mainstream society. It was really, really cool. Yes, I really appreciated that. And you know, following up on that, just today we're recording this on Tuesday. Uh, today, the, the Biden administration issued a whole list of things that they are. Their their the ways in which they're going to. Uh, address the issue of of um, racial justice. Yep. Like there was a, a whole laundry list of things, including the appointment of one of his uh, his senior policy advisors. Uh, and and I'm, I'm probably getting her title wrong, um, but Susan Rice is going to be you know one of the people who's in his ear about policy, not just policy that is that is you know racial policy, all policies, 
education, health, housing, jobs, economy, uh, you name yeah. environment. She's going to be his advisor. And specifically, uh, what what she one of the one of the things I read in the statement today was that one of her roles is going to be essentially that on all those policy decisions, what is the what is what can we do to advance racial equity on these decisions? Like, amazing, amazing, it's, it's amazing. But you're right that 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 moment in the speech, those moments in the speech when he directed that head on. Was, that was so encouraging. Yeah, how about you? Um, I, I <laughs> so I remember the, the day we watched on inauguration day. I was like, okay, so I'm going to tune into the parade this afternoon and also the concert uh, tonight. And you're like, oh, I don't, I don't need the, I don't need the concert and the parade. I just want to watch the political stuff. And I'm like, okay, fine. But you know, if you want to watch with me, you can. And a funny, by the way, total side note. But what? my comment at the time, I was being totally snarky and trying to think of like the most dated sounding thing I could possibly say. Uh-huh. And I was like, I don't think I need to see Katie. Perry. Oh, yeah. And she was actually there. <laughs> she was actually there. Yeah. But here's the thing. I wanted and ended up totally needing yeah. every single second of the drippy, cheesy, over-the-top celebration of patriotism yeah. in America and, and the kind of America that they celebrated in those celebrations. Yes. I mean, yes, it was completely cheesy. It was completely over-the-top. Those fireworks, holy cow. Like, yeah. I've never seen so many. But I needed every bit of that. Like it was so, it was so refreshing to be able to celebrate an America where they showed faces of all, every single different kind of person who lives here. Yes. With every single different kind of skin color and cultural background and physical ability and language and, uh, and you name it. Like it was, I, I, I just was, it was so wonderful. It was yeah. so wonderful to celebrate that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what else? I'm really excited to reclaim the word patriot. Yeah, you know totally, what I mean? Yeah. I have always considered myself to be a patriot in what I consider to be the best sense of the word, which is that someone who holds their country to account in a loving way with the idea and goal being to make it a better place. Yeah. Leave it better than you found it. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And lately, I mean, this last four or five years, if I see the word patriot in my mind, I replace it with white supremacy. Yeah. Like, there's this... Uh, there's this like multiple like apartment building thing that you can see from one of the freeways where we live. Yeah. That you drive by and there's a huge banner on the outside facing the freeway that says Patriot Construction. And every time I see it, I'm like white supremacy construction. <laughs> That's what I think. Man. Yeah. Seriously, like all the people right now who are the, the most loudly mm. proclaiming themselves to be patriots are just assholes. A they're white of, supremacists yeah. and they're racists and they're assholes. So you want to reclaim that yeah. word f- for maybe a higher meaning. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe not like someone in a bunch of like made up tactical fatigues that they got at dicks on sale. Yeah. Maybe that's not what a patriot is anymore. Well, but also if you want to be cool, just don't be a fucking racist. Well, here's the thing. If you think that what America is and ought to be is a country for, uh, for white people. With guns. Well, just just let's just let even, let's leave the guns out of it. Sure. If you think from its beginning that the that America has always been a country for white descendants of Europeans, then then that's what patriotism means to you yeah. is white supremacy. <laughs> but if you believe that what America is and can be is a place where people of all backgrounds and all skin colors and all languages and from all countries around the world, if, if you believe that it's a place where we can all exist and create society, functioning society together, then what patriotism means to you is working for that goal. Yes. Is working for a multiracial democracy. Yes. Which we 
you know, we're on our way to making. <laughs> yeah. I think we talked about this last week in yep. last week's podcast that, you know, it's a remarkable thing that we're, that we're trying, what we're trying to do here. Never been done before in the history of the world. You know, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Let's reclaim the word patriot. Hell yeah. For that meaning. What else for you? Uh, man, what else? Uh, uh, something that I really loved uh, was just the overarching tone of kindness and thoughtfulness. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. it was just, it was such a refreshing change of pace to, to mm-hmm. have no one up there telling lies, <laughs> to have no one up there fear-mongering, yeah, right. to have no one up there demonizing brown people. Yeah. Holy hell, because all, all of those things happened in the last inaugural address, yeah. you know? And then for the subsequent four years, all the people in power were pretty much scumbags. Yeah. And to have just no scumbags, just a scumbag-free experience. <laughs> yeah. I was super into that. Totally. You know what really struck me uh, during his inaugural address was um, there, were, there were moments of his address where he, like, he was doing the rousing politician speak, you know, the, 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 the orating... Or, orating from the podium kind of thing the you know the 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 flowery language and the the you know forceful commentary whatever yeah and then there were also moments where he was barely audible like he was speaking in this just in a small voice as a human yeah you know and and it was gentle and I just I, I found myself just so drawn to the gentleness of this person and 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 just realizing how much I have been longing for our leaders to embody that. Like, I'm so here for that. Like, my thought was this. If we, if we couldn't have a woman president succeeding President Trump to, like, heal up all of the mm-hmm. wounds that we've experienced from the last number of years then Joe Biden is a great second place. <laughs> yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I, I would have loved to have seen a woman. We all know which woman I would have loved to have seen inaugurated a couple of weeks ago or last week, I mean. But, you know, like, I, I feel like he brings something, he, he brings a that sort of like healing balm. He yeah. embodies that when we need it. He embodies an idea. Uh, he lives an idea that the previous occupant of his office never fundamentally understood, which is that if you speak more quietly... And with humility, people will lean in. Yeah. 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 It's true. Uh, what else you got? Okay. So the, the last thing that I have is just that I, I can't not mention that I just randomly burst out into tears multiple times throughout the day. <laughs> like at stupid little moments. Yeah. But like there'd be some newscaster saying, Madam Vice President, and then like having a moment where they were taken aback by having said those words yeah. out loud, and and like me just <laughs> it's so true. A little fireworks, like, little little waterworks. Little most of my tears, most of my tears on Wednesday were were related to Kamala Harris yes. and seeing her assume that position. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a woman Vice President. It's badass. I, it's like, like we're boldly stepping into Europe circa 1960. It's true, but like, you know, as a as as a person, as a woman, I don't know how I even said it, but like just just ruminating on that idea. We have a woman vice president. Yeah. Like it's it's a it's just a feeling of overwhelming pride, mm-hmm. relief. 
Um, I need my emotions list again. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, like I just, I, I, I couldn't contain it. You Representation know? matters. It was beautiful. And it's not just that she's a black person. It's also she's a woman and you're a woman and you're seeing yourself represented in a yeah. way that you haven't previously. Yeah. And like, even for like a white woman, like that's a thing. Absolutely. That's really cool. Yeah, it was really neat. And just one final note for me. I was just super impressed that uh, that uh, the Biden administration chose as one of their first official acts to completely deplete the nation's strategic fireworks reserve. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> so watching that, that fireworks display, the thought that came to my mind was, remember a couple of years ago when uh, the city of San Diego yes. had planned a fireworks celebration, yeah. 4th of July, yep. and they were going to be setting off all their fireworks from this barge out in San Diego Bay. Which is how that happens for municipalities. Yep. It's always on a barge out in the bay. Exactly. And so people were, you know, lined up, ready to see this, you know, fireworks show. And, you know, these, these last usually like 15, 20 minutes. Oh, and yeah. it's like, you know, maybe simulcast with a music with music happening on a radio station or yeah. something. You know, the whole thing. Well, some accident happened and all the fireworks got set off at the same time. On like, the barge. On the barge. Yeah. And so like it was over in like a minute. Yeah. <laughs> but it, holy moly, it was yeah. but at 15 times density. Yes. And all right there. That's exactly <laughs> What this fireworks display in D.C. on Inauguration Day reminded me of. Seriously. It was like those, those big ones that like in small towns where I grew up, I, like I grew up in a town small enough that we had exactly one of those ones that makes the big bright circle and goes kaboom and yeah. you feel it in your chest. We had yeah. one of those because that's what we could afford. They had, I don't know, 30,000 of them. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, there were moments where it was like someone was doing a press roll on a timpani. That kind of thing, like on a drum, oh, yeah. where it just goes... Yeah. But it was all those... Big like, booms. one megaton booms. The poor dogs of D.C. Oh, my gosh. Oh, gosh. They must have been terrified. Yeah. Poor pups. Poor pups. Yeah. Aw. Well, that was that was a good day. I mean, mm -hmm. I... I it, was, it was a good day. It was a really, it was really just good, a day. good day. Yeah, and I'm still kind of like basking. It's, it's had a great tone that I'm still kind of like, it, it, I'm, I'm being carried through with that. You're riding the high. I am. So, yeah. uh, what do you think? Should we take a little break? Yeah, let's take a little break. Um, we will come back and talk about uh, how we're feeling and processing now that that last era is over. Yeah. Um, and even though things uh, look a lot more hopeful in a lot of ways, it's not like we humans just flip a switch and our emotions like True. change course. So there's some stuff to work through and we're going to talk about that after the break. Back in a sec. self-care sound off uh, a friend shared a thought that sort of like spurred this line of thinking that we're yeah. going to explore here do you want to share her post yeah I'd love to so this is from my unofficial uh, big sister uh, <laughs> Andrea uh, she is my uh, best friend's big sister so she was kind of my big sister too she yeah. helped take care of us in high school. And she's gone on to have an amazing life. Uh, she was a therapist, uh, and now she works with horses. Right. And is an author about the intersection of psychology and, uh, and, and, writing. and writing. Yeah, It's just really cool. Yeah. Uh, and she had this thought that she shared uh, the other day. And she says this. 
when I was a therapist, I noticed that during times of crisis, people were amazing at stepping up. And after the crisis was over and things were safe, there was a crash into depression or at least exhaustion. I realized a few things. One, people crash because it's safe to do it once the immediate crisis has passed because their stress response and adrenaline flood is no longer acting as an anesthetic against the pain. Mm. And two, all those emotions that are bottled up to deal with the crisis of the moment now need to be processed. I have a feeling we might go through a lot of this in the next few weeks. Man, that is really prescient sort of uh, like yeah. advice like or 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 it was really helpful for me to read perspective. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you know, it, it really helped contextualize my experience and this is something that it's funny it's related to something I was talking about like a month or so ago in a different way, mm-hmm. right? Um but my experience and I've shared this with you uh over this last week has been that I am I have two different experiences going on. Yeah. I have the kind of what's going on in my conscious mind at yeah. the sort of overt level of my existence on this planet. Yeah. You know? And then I also have the which stuff is, that's... Which is what? Well, I'm going to okay. define the two things first. Okay, great, yeah. great, great. So I've got that kind of more overt level. Uh-huh. And then I have like this kind of subconscious level. And we, each of us, I think, have that in our experience, right? Yeah. There's the stuff that we're overtly dealing with in our lives that we're conscious of and that we can acknowledge and discuss. Yeah. And then there's the stuff that's going on under the surface that we maybe are not even that in touch with. Mm -hmm. but it is still happening, Mm -hmm. right? So uh, to the former, you know, my overt experience right now is that I'm cheerful. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm cheerful, I'm excited, I'm all those things I was discussing in the how are you feeling earlier in this episode. I'm also super distracted and (laughs) distractible, Uh you know? Um, Squirrel! Oh, absolutely. I can't tell you. Like, I, I can get really focused on work and really excited about work. I'm mixing, a, I'm, I'm finishing mixing one record and starting mixing another right yeah. now. They're both exciting phases of the project. I just, I love what I do, so it's all exciting to me. And, you know, I can't tell you. I was working on this first song for this new record a couple of days ago, and I, I made a ton of progress on it, but, like, every time a notification would pop up on my phone... All of a sudden, I'd be in my phone for 15 minutes. Yeah. That's not like me. Usually, I like look at the thing and like, okay, I'll get to that later. I couldn't do it. Oh, Just yeah. like, oh, that looks interesting. <laughs> like, I, was not, I wasn't doing anything anyway, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I was. Yeah. Um, that's unusual. I noticed it. Um, you know, something else I'm noticing in myself is that I'm crapping out prematurely. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. Uh, I just don't have the stamina for kind of any task you might imagine right Mm. now that I usually have. Mm. I'm noticing it in my work, you know? Mm. I'm definitely getting, like, fatigued feeling Mm -hmm. around... I don't know, like, you know, 12, 12.30 at night, which might sound really late to some people, but I, but I routinely work till between one and two. Yeah. So to lose half an hour to an hour, sometimes it's even 11.30, hour and a half, that's really unusual for me. Usually yeah. you have to drag me away from my studio when I'm in the middle it's of a true. mixed project. <laughs> uh, but like lately, I've been kind of coming out like a little earlier than normal being like, can we have a snack? <laughs> Go to bed. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and it just is really striking me that I am processing a whole bunch bunch of things under mm-hmm. the hood, you know? Mm-hmm. And I really am starting to wonder whether what I'm having is kind of a trauma response. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know? it's entirely reasonable. You yeah. know? But it's interesting because it's not like an overt trauma response, you know? Right. I'm not depressed. I'm not anxious. I'm not freaked out. But it's all I the f- things Andrea was saying. Like, yeah. if, it, if like the in- immediate emergency is no longer there as a threat, yeah. then you can let yourself actually process the stuff that you've been holding tightly inside yeah. during the during the really stressful time, the dangerous time. Yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly right. Another mm-hmm. sort of symptom of this that I'm noticing is that I feel like I have a lot less tolerance than normal right now for drama, political oh. or otherwise. Yeah. I frequently have a pretty healthy tolerance for it. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, especially like when you're at the center of a... Uh, 
of a, a heterogeneous community, uh-huh. you know, a diverse community of people uh, who feel passionately about things. And when you're interested in, in civics, mm-hmm. like I am mm-hmm. and like you are, like you have to be able to tolerate a certain amount of drama because all of that stuff is really dramatic. Politics are dramatic. Yeah. People's opinions about current events are dramatic. People interacting with, with one another in the public square, if they're not not all exactly the same kind of person, is dramatic. Right. Well, social media really makes it more dramatic than sure. it needs to be, too. But yeah, yeah it amplifies mm-hmm. all of those things for algorithmic and, and financial reasons. <laughs> yeah. It's true, you know. But I just am. Re- I'm really realizing I don't have like tolerance for it. You yeah. know. Um, it's really funny. Like over breakfast today, you know, you you were like, "Hey, have you seen this article about these two horrible people who like lied their way onto a reservation to get like." Uh, Shots. It was Canadians, yeah, yeah. These millionaires who rented a private jet to fly themselves to a remote indigenous uh, territory in Canada and lied about their, who they were and where they live in order to get shots, vaccines that were meant for the elderly indigenous community it's, there. It's, it's all the worst it's parts so of bad. humanity in one story. <laughs> yeah. And so it's funny because I'd seen the headline this morning in yeah. bed and I had specifically chosen not to read it because I didn't want to know any more about it. Yeah. Because I just thought it would be terrible. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I saw the headline, didn't read it, didn't want to know any more about it. And you're like, okay, so here's everything about it. Oh. <laughs> and like that explanation that you just gave, you just, like right now on the podcast, you just yeah. gave me, but like much more detail. You basically told me the article. Right. You know, which is funny because usually you and I just do that all of the time we tell each other things well, that we yeah. notice, but like I really like I didn't bite your head off at breakfast because that wouldn't have been fair to you. But I, the <laughs> whole time I was like, "This is the oh, this is the exact fucking thing I didn't want," you know? <laughs> well, I didn't under, I didn't understand that, and I apologize. Oh, it's fine, it's fine. It. I, but it's unusual for me is more my point. I see. You know I see, yeah. that like normally, I mean, of course you would read me that, and we would both be like, "Oh, terrible," you know? Because you know sometimes it's just good to hear about objectively horrible people, if only to reaffirm your own humanity. <laughs> Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. To no, be, to, to, just to know you're still alive. Yeah. You can still be shocked and appalled by people's horrible behavior, right? It means you still have morals and a compass. That's good. Yes. It's good to reaffirm that yeah. stuff every once in a while. Yeah. But man, I was not in the mood. No, but I, I usually am in the moods. I just don't have any tolerance. Have- and I, th- I don't have a lot of space for negativity in general, I'm oh. realizing, you mm-hmm. know? Like I just don't have any tolerance for it right now. Mm-hmm. I kind of need just to sort of focus on the positive, uh, and and it's not my usual thing. Usually I am quick to hold people to account and to really want to engage in that work of mm-hmm. digging deep to find like what's wrong in a situation and, you know, generate ideas, brainstorm on like what things we could do to make it better. Right. You know, I'm a problem solver by nature, so I'm not afraid to get my hands dirty. But man, I just can't get my hands dirty right now in that way. Yeah. I just need like, I've been watching a lot more cat videos than normal, <laughs> you know? I just need like good little heartwarming stories that last three minutes and five seconds. <laughs> yeah. You know, and the cat goes to a happy home and scene. Oh my gosh. That's it. Yes. That's it. That's all I want. Uh, What's your experience been? Yeah. You know, I, I totally understand what you're, where you're coming from. Um, I feel like personally, I feel like in the last, I I could feel myself almost immediately starting to get a little bit of bandwidth back Mm -hmm. after the inauguration. Same. I want to signal boost that. I think that's true for me too. I think just, I had the ability to, to actually allow myself to just, (laughs) <laughs> to not hyper focus on the imminent danger, you know, yeah. and, and and I don't know that I would have been that hyper focused on imminent danger if there hadn't been a freaking insurrection, you know, like it was that 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 was really the. I mean, the last four years were were traumatic, and the last year has been ultra traumatic, you know, in a lot of ways. But like, and so 
no matter what, I would have been like, I can't wait for January 20th, you know, like that, that, that would have been the, the goal anyway. But the insurrection really just amplified things. It made me feel like we were in real danger. Yeah. Um, not my own personal physical safety danger, but like our country, our democracy in real danger. And which, you know, <laughs> if we lose our democracy, then yeah, every single one of us uh, has a personal safety uh, danger issue. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, yes. like at some point that's, that's, that's where that goes. Um, but you know, I, I think that once, once the inauguration happened, uh, uh, I did start feeling like I had the space in my mind to like take up these, some new ideas that I had been, you know, playing around with, uh, these new ideas we've got for Misfit Stars, you know, for instance. Mm-hmm. I've been excited about this this new thing that we're building for that. Um, like I'm feeling energized, but I've got the I've got the space, I've got the bandwidth to actually take that on. Mm-hmm. You know, um uh I've got, you know, my 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 2020 album project um that's in the in in the very beginning stages right now. I've been able to like start organizing people's stories to actually you know make a plan for for the the songs I'm going to write for that. Like, and I feel excited about it. Yeah, uh, I've got a personal song, my first personal song of the year that I'm working on right now, mm-hmm. and I've been really enjoying it. Like, I yeah. I'm eager to start making the recording for it tonight because I I like I've just I've got the I've got the bandwidth to do it, and that's really really. Nice, but also like you. At the same time, I feel like I'm I'm tiring quickly, more yeah. quickly than I'm used to. You know, I, I I finished the the lyrics and melody for this personal song the other day, and it was you know a few hours of pretty intense work, and yeah. that's usually how it goes when I'm like conceiving of a song like that first that first period of time you know when when it's just coming the the words are coming together the frame of it mm-hmm. is coming together I, I feel like I'm giving birth and I've never actually given birth so <laughs> I, maybe it's not a very good analogy but like I feel like it's just a very intense very hyper focused you know time and at the end of that you know usually I do need a little bit of a break like okay I'll go make dinner and then maybe after dinner, I'll resume, you know, started, I couldn't do a thing no, after that. I yeah, was, you finished at like 7.30 at night and you're on the couch for the rest of the night. I was wiped out, just totally wiped out. So, you know, I think it's just a really good, um, it's a really good reason to re-up on the notion of we need to continue to give ourselves and each other a lot of grace. Yes. You know, like I, this is a, a lesson that we've learned over the last year, especially with the pandemic, you know, that that we just need to give each other and ourselves a lot, a lot more grace than we have maybe in, in other times. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's reasonable to not be performing. I saw someone, uh, one of our misfit stars, Ginger, mm-hmm. I saw a Facebook post of hers earlier today where she said she heard somebody, she heard someone, a talk that somebody was giving in which they said something like, I don't want to be more productive. I want to have less to do. Yes. And, yes. You know, and, I, and she was saying how she really resonated with that. I'm like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Like I'm I, feeling that too. I, I feel like, you know, we, we just need to give each other the space to, to be in that space, you know? Oh, I love that. Um, That's great. And, you know, I think, it, I think also, um, it's also a good time to remember that, you know, for some people, like for a lot, for a lot of us, like it's tempting mm-hmm. to view the inauguration as, I've been joking about this during this episode as a as a light switch being flipped, you yeah. know, the flip of a switch, and oh, everything's fine now. Yeah. Well, of course, everything's not fine now. No. Like, and and it's 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 tempting to be like, oh, now great, I can check out. Of- the work's done. We're done. Exactly, and it's so not done. Oh God, no. 
<laughs> um, we just have the, we've given ourselves an opportunity to actually work on the things that need work. We've bought ourselves two years of time. Yeah. And why two years? <sighs> because, so, so we have given Democrats a trifecta. Uh, American voters turned out in record numbers to take back the Senate, mm -hmm. to uh, maintain their lead in the House, uh -huh. and to uh, take the presidency. And to pass bills, you need votes, you need it to pass the House, mm -hmm. you need it to pass the Senate, and the president needs to sign it. Yeah. That's how legislation moves through our government yes. and becomes reality. And in our hyper-partisan current uh, time, it's, it's funny, right? Because this is asymmetrical. Democrats will frequently vote with Republicans on common sense legislation. Republicans will not vote, generally speaking, on Democratic legislation. They, they used to. When we ages, were kids, they did. Ages and ages ago. Yeah, that time has passed. You know right. what I mean? It's kind of more about tribalism for them. We've covered that extensively and don't need to go further into it here. Raw power. But here's the yeah. deal, right? We've given Democrats a trifecta in this country, uh, which is extraordinary. And it means they have a mandate to act. It also means that if Democrats don't use the power that they have in the next two years to A, improve people's lives, and B, enact democracy reform, mm -hmm. we're going to create a breeding ground for a slicker, more successful version of Trump, and he will end us. Yeah, it's true. And it's two years because the next uh, elections, there's not a presidential election for four years, obviously, but in two years, uh, all of the seats in the House of Representatives are up for re-election, and a third of the seats in the Senate are up for re-election. That's right. So the, the power can shift every two years in this way in our country. And typically does shift midterm away from the president's party. It can, yeah, I mean, it often does, yeah. but also... It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to, especially if we have a government that's actually starting... We've got people who are in leadership now in Congress and majorities in Congress who are who are of the belief that government can can do things to improve the lives of people. Yes, <laughs> the Republican, not just corporations. Right, the, the Republican Party fundamentally does not believe that. They no. want to... They want to uh, they want to make government smaller. You hear them talk about that a lot. They want government to, you know, to, they want to shrink government and shrink its power. Um, they don't want it to affect the lives of people. Like Certainly not in a positive way. Yeah. The, right. the part, well, and it's telling, right? right? Because right. the parts that they don't want to shrink are the militaristic yes. and authoritarian parts of the government. Right. Like Republicans are the ones who created Department of Homeland Security. They created ICE. Right. They create the parts that terrorize brown people and terrorize mm. immigrant communities right. and enforce the will of the authoritarian right. aspects of our government upon the citizenry. Right. They're fine with all of that. They don't want to defund all that at all. They're all about increasing military budgets. They just don't want the government to do things like help ordinary humans like you and me. Right. They would love to end Social Security. Mm -hmm. They would love to end Medicaid and Medicare. Mm -hmm. They would love to end food stamps. They're actively working <laughs> to undermine and end all of the things that we regard as a social safety net in this country. Public schools. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Yes, Every time right. you hear someone advocating for a charter school or a voucher system, people... That's just code, right? It's just code that means ending public schooling. Right. So like we've got um, we got majorities in Congress and we've got the president who believes that government does have a role in making people's lives better. And like they've got to they've got to actually pass laws to do that. They can't they can't be Charlie Brown. <laughs> You know, uh, waiting for 
for Lucy to hold that football in place this time. Like, like they, yeah. Democrats have a record of just putting too much trust in, oh, the Republicans will come around. This they time they're going to come around. Lucy always pulls the football out from Charlie Brown. Yeah, yeah. He falls flat on his butt. You yeah. know, we can't let them do that. We can't, we have to learn from, and I, I feel somewhat encouraged by like the, we saw an interview with Chuck Schumer last night, who's now the majority leader in the Senate, who seemed to be saying a lot of the right things in terms of understanding the challenge and under, understanding the lessons of history. And like passionately so. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I'm not saying I feel, uh, I feel some, I feel cautiously optimistic about at least his point of view. And it's just his point of view. He's got to rally his entire caucus, you know, all the Democrats to get on board with this. We have no margin of error. It's 50-50 and Kamala is a tiebreaker. Yeah, but we do need them to act. And it's really important to remember too that, you know, I I know that, I'm remembering like a year ago, a little little less than a year ago, I guess, when the pandemic really revved up and got started. Mm -hmm. You know, life changed drastically, dramatically for nearly everybody in the country. You know, the stay-at-home orders, the kids not being able to go to school, you know, folks working from home, um, not being able to go to the movies or to restaurants or, you know, like just our, our lives changed so much. And I remember thinking, hearing lots of people talk about how there was, there were some people talking about how like, let's just, you know, do this for a few weeks so we can get back to normal. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of other people who were like, you know what? Now that we're like in this quarantine time or whatever, like we realized that normal wasn't so great. No. That normal in a lot of ways, like like the 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 severity of 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 the outcomes of the pandemic were revealing the ways in which normal was not working. Absolutely. Before. It really and, laid it bare, like how who we value in our society and how we value them. Right. And like just calling someone an essential worker. Right. Like it doesn't help. Right. You know? All calling someone an essential worker really seems to do it's like i think people are like we're honoring them it's like no you're saying they have to work even if it's going to put their family's lives in danger right well and it's and it, there's there have been tears of experience throughout this pandemic um and and there have been tears of experience t-i-e-r-s strata yeah strata, yeah thank you levels of experience different levels of experience you know for those of us who like you and you and me like we have the ability to stay home yeah and do our work from home and not go out in public we have the ability to do that because there are other workers who are showing up in person for work outside their homes. Yes. Like their experience is much different than ours. When we go to the grocery store and make our really quick trips through the aisles to get in and out as fast as we can and get yeah. our essentials for the next couple of weeks, there are people who are at their jobs, you know, eight hours a day in public exposing themselves, you know, to yeah. the virus. To and, everyone's germs that yeah, they bring in. Their experience is different than mine, you yeah. know. And so um, for some of us, you know, it's 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 important to realize that if, if if your idea of getting back to normal means that your life would would you know maybe change only a little bit and mostly for the better, you know, you probably need to think about <laughs> how your experience is vastly different from so many people's yeah. experience in this time. And it's tempting to see, oh, look at the inauguration; it's so hopeful, and it is, and it is, and now everything's going to be fine because we have a new president. No, no. no. Things aren't fine yet. We still have to work to make them fine. All we've been given with this inauguration is the opportunity to do the work. Exactly. That's it. That's But exactly all of the work it. remains. It, that's exactly The election it. was not the work. The work yeah. starts now. Yeah. 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 So, you know... Um, and, I, and, and like really, oh, just to circle back to this idea, sure. like normal 
for vulnerable populations mm-hmm. is what got us to the point where we are now in our country, yeah. socially and politically. Right, right, right. right. It's, it's exactly that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking about minority populations, brown skin populations. I'm talking about poor populations, rural populations. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a whole bunch of people who, if their lives, if, if they were just be, being treated in a way that's honorable and that's dignified, f- dignified mm-hmm. and that's fair, yeah. uh, like they wouldn't be resentful and angry. They would be happy. They would have less room to entertain hateful white supremacist ideas. Well, seriously. Because <laughs> yeah. that's been the entire Republican playbook for the last 50 yeah. plus years, right? Yeah. Create bad conditions by taking away social services so you can give more of that money to people, wealthy people who don't need it. And then when all the poor white people are like, why is my life so shitty? Blame Mexicans. Right. Like that's the entire playbook. Right. It's a really simple playbook. It's also a really effective playbook, mm-hmm. you know? But we can't go back to normal. We've gotten our, we've given ourselves an opportunity. We worked our butts off in the election to give ourselves an opportunity to create a new normal that is more equitable. Yeah. Uh, and just, and we can do that. We, we, we need to be engaged uh, with our political uh, representatives, you know? Again, get your, get your Congress people and your uh, senators on speed dial. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, put them in your phone, know what their numbers are, and you know, call them routinely with what you want to see them do. They respond to constituent pressure. That's right. That's, that's the only thing they respond yeah. to. And by the way, <laughs> I know that we have people who live in Arizona who listen to this podcast. Call Kirsten Cinema. Yeah. She is the most waffly, most kind of quasi-Republican-y mm. of like it's her and Joe Manchin in the Senate. Mm-hmm. Like they wield an outsized they're amount both, of power right now. They're both Democrats, but they... Um, they caucus with the Republicans a whole lot. Yeah. And so, you know, if you want them to act like Democrats and uphold Democratic priorities, call their office and let them know. Mm-hmm. Do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so we have to stay engaged. You know, just thinking about, you know, not, not politics related, but, um, you know, looking at the year ahead. Another way in which things are not like... Uh, switch flipped back to normal mm-hmm. is that things are still really uncertain in a lot of ways. You know, we, oh do, gosh, we yeah. do have an, you know, a new government, a new president that I feel very hopeful and optimistic about. Vaccines are coming out. Things are hopefully starting to yeah. move in a better direction. But also we are still in squarely in the middle of the pandemic. It's the worst it's ever been right now. Yeah. I think there's, like you said, this feeling of, you know, things are improving. There's a conceptual idea that things are improving, right. but the, you know, everything practically speaking is still really indeterminate. Like yeah, we're well, not the, really sure what's going to happen. Right. There's no script written for this, right? Like it's not like we know with certainty what's going to happen a month, three months, five months from now, no. you know? And that was true all last year. I think that one of the things that, um, as I'm thinking about how we move forward from here, I think again, sort of re-upping on a lot of the tools that we learned how uh, that we that we honed last year yeah. in dealing with this extremely traumatic and uncertain time. Yeah, you know, and for me, you know, a lot of it was um, I learned that I need to, in the face of of such uncertainty, I need to remain humble. And what I mean by that yeah. is that I. I cannot get myself latched onto ideas of, well, I know what the outcome's going to be. I, I, I can see, I can see exactly where this is going. Cause I don't, <laughs> that never works out. Yeah. You know, like we have some ideas about where things might be going, but we don't hopes know. Even. Yeah. Or hopes, ideas, or even some educated guesses, you know, like sure. based on what experts are saying <laughs> in terms of like the virus, you mm-hmm. know, um, but I think what last year taught me is that that I have to remain humble in the face of an uncertain future. Like I can't, 
I can't let myself feel, <laughs> I can't, I can't allow myself to, to think I've got it figured out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I realize that when I allow myself to think I've got it figured out, it is really just a way for me to feel some temporary comfort in a very dis- uh, discomforting time. Sure. You know what Uncomfortable I mean? Time. Uncomfortable time. Thank yeah. you. But you know what I mean? Like I, I, I but I, I can't, I have to resist that. I have to resist the notion that, um, <laughs> that I can just check that box of, well, I know where this is going because I don't. No. So remaining humble, that's what I mean by that. Yeah. And also remaining loose. Um, flexible. Flexible, yes. Like a flexible reed in the river. Exactly. Yeah. You know, that to not make plans that are so rigid or have ideas that are so rigid that they yeah. can't withstand how the wind blows because I don't know <laughs> which way it's going to blow. Yeah. So I think that that's kind of my my mantra going forward. It was the those were the biggest lessons for me for me from 2020 and that will be my mantra going forward is to remain humble and loose. Yeah, I mean something that I learned last year that I think is going to serve me well again this year. I mean mm-hmm. you and I learned this together is not getting too attached to outcomes. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Like Living in the present, like really, like people always talk, oh, living in the present, be in the now. But like living in the now practically applied means by necessity, not making as long range plans, Right. you know? Like we can have hopes, you know? I, I, you and I both, I think, would love to get back out on tour just to see all of our people have our community thing enacted in person mm-hmm. in community with folks. You know, we mm-hmm. love it. It's it's wonderful. It's so healing and healthy and good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it's pointless right now to even for you, for you and me in this very specific situation, even to contemplate what that might look like. I don't think it'll probably happen in 2021. And I think it's probably safer and more conservative to just plan for it not to happen. And if we have a happy surprise, like if vaccines go amazingly well and everyone's been vaccinated by July and we can start a late tour and do like a half tour. Okay, cool. I would love to be positively surprised. Right. Like pleasantly surprised, but like, you know, like planning for that, hoping for that out of some kind of desperation, out of some out of some deep-seated need to scramble as quickly back to, like, quote-unquote, <laughs> get back to normal. Yeah. How often have we heard the phrase over the last year uttered by people without our best interest in mind, get back to normal? Right. Normal wasn't good. And, like, mm. and normal also, like, I'm sure that people loved their lives. I loved my life. I know you loved mm-hmm. yours. Also, I'm really starting to get my head around the idea that, you know, if we had just had a disruptive 2020, but had been able to really just start doing our life in 2021 again, like we had been doing in 2019 and before, right? we wouldn't have necessarily had the opportunity to learn very much, mm. you know? Uh, it would have been like, oh, that was weird. That was bad. Anyway, we're, we're back to normal. Yeah. But, you know... <laughs> Two years of a disrupted routine, I think for me, I'm getting, I'm kind of warming up to the idea that it might give me a real opportunity to reimagine my life. Mm. And for you and me mm-hmm. as, a, as a unit to reimagine our lives, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, and maybe we'll end up doing a lot of the same things, sure. but bringing a different intentionality to it. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll end up doing like superficially doing a lot of the same things, but doing them differently. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, maybe it- we'll throw a bunch of stuff away, but it's nice to have like a real forced like sequestration from our normal routine and at length, right. not a blip, like yeah. a real, like two years is a thing. It's a chunk. Yeah. Well, and, and you and I have an unusual situation in that we like are constantly like inventing and reinventing our careers and like our work life. So yeah. like that applies specifically to that aspect, but also just, you know, I'm thinking about like folks who have, you know, more like regular jobs and they're not, they're not doing the entrepreneurial type thing that you and I do, yeah. you know? Um, 
I think there's probably space for that reimagining in those in that oh sphere gosh. too. You know, like you know, maybe maybe folks are finding that that in the in the before times they were just overscheduled. Yeah. To the point of not being able to actually experience life. Yes. <laughs> you know, maybe they're finding that the pri- their priorities have shifted, or or what they feel like is the most important for them to to spend their time and energy doing. Is, has has changed, or maybe they've decided that uh, that more rest and maybe more time alone is needed. Yeah, or or more time with your family, or whatever it might be. Yeah. You know, like I think that um, I agree with you. I think that an, a prolonged period of you know, I think this is why people go away on like meditation retreats, right? Yeah. Like I can't, I've never done one like that. Like I've never gone and like been quiet for like 48 hours, Yeah. you know? And I've heard of people doing this and it scares the crap out of me to think yeah. about that. Like I, I but I imagine, because I imagine that it's excruciating, right? But what we've been through is excruciating. What we're going through right now is excruciating. Mm-hmm. But like in that crucible, like we can, we can find something new. We can find revelations that can carry us into something better in the future, you know, yeah. I really, uh, I really like that idea. I like that idea too. And you know, thinking about work too. You know, like people have had the opportunity now to be disrupted from their normal way of going about their jobs. Right. And like, what if offices become a thing of the past? Mostly, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And there's some kind of places like you know, if you run an auto auto parts store, well, you got to go to your auto parts store. <laughs> you can't yeah. do that from home because then yeah. everyone would be showing up at your house for auto parts. That would be terrible. <laughs> But, you know, for so many jobs, most of the job just happens on the computer these days. You're sitting Mm. at your desk at a computer. Well, now you're sitting at your desk at home at a computer, you know? And like, what if office building, what if we needed actually 50% as many office buildings as we currently have? Mm. Well, what if the currently existing office buildings could be repurposed into like massive low income high rises right in the best parts of town, the most close to the urban core where people with all those essential jobs can walk to work as opposed to like, you know, in Seattle, in San Francisco and all these like jewel cities, like essential workers sometimes have to commute from 45 to 45 minutes to two hours away. Like most of the service industry in uh, San Francisco right now lives in the Central Valley. And with the commute, like the traffic, that can be like three hours. Oh my gosh, hour and a half each way, no problem. Yeah. More honestly, it could be more like two. Yeah, it's way, way more than that. Oftentimes, I think people oftentimes yeah. drive like five, six hours a day yeah. to get to and from work, which is ridiculous. Yeah, it's really wild. I mean, there's people like living in Modesto and working in Santa Clara. Yeah, you know, it's immoral. Like we could really radically, we could take this time to radically reimagine how we function as a society. Mm-hmm. And like, I keep getting coming around to the idea, and it almost sounds revolutionary to say it, but like, what if we started like saving some of the nicest things for poor people? What you know you, what I mean? What do you mean by that? Like, what if we just got rid of this horrible, toxic idea of a cash-based meritocracy? And, you know, like, I think that people are perfectly comfortable right now, generally speaking, with the idea, well, of course, poor people should have to live very far away from Facebook campus. Why would they be able to afford there, to live there? They're poor. I'm but not, what if we actually- I'm not comfortable with that idea. <laughs> I think a lot of people are perfectly fine with it. Or they, or they conveniently don't have to think about it. Yep. It seems broadly accepted. But like, you know, what if we just took a beautiful 60-story office building that no one needs anymore in downtown Santa Clara because everyone's working from home and we made that be small apartments and housed, you know, 10,000 workers there. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, like they had a really nice place to live in a really beautiful place with a ton of services, good school system, Mm -hmm. you know, could walk to work as opposed to having to kill themselves driving 
like you said, maybe two to three hours each direction mm-hmm. to go to a job that pays them $15 an hour only because the state mandated it and they would pay them less if they could, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like what if we started trying honestly to like not look at things from the top down in our country, yeah. but from the bottom up? <laughs> well, we- because how do you build a house? How do you build a solid foundation? Yeah. It's not from the top down. Right. It's from the bottom up. Right. Maybe you've just invented a new way of building houses from the top down. Wow. I mean, it would save a lot of time. First of all, get the bedroom taken care of first, then you can sleep, and then you build all the stuff below. It doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. Uh, so what do you think? Well, thanks for that good talk. Yeah. I think that was good. Um, I mean, the talk was good. Wasn't that podcast great, everybody? <laughs> That's not what I meant. Aren't we awesome? <laughs> No, I appreciate it. I still, you know, two years and a couple of months into this podcast now, we're in season three, I still really uh, value the opportunity to intentionally sit down for an hour plus each week Mm -hmm. and talk about stuff that seems like it matters. Yeah. You know? Um, I, I, honestly, it feels like a privilege to, to be able to do it, you know, like to, to have this date, this appointment yeah. to, to do this because, you know, these are these are things that we're thinking about. It's stuff that we're processing. It's stuff that's like in our brains, but, you know, in a normal, a normal day's schedule, you know, how often do we actually sit down to be like, hey, let's talk this out, yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah, same um, here. So, and I thanks. also appreciate uh, the people who listen to us do it. Yeah. And I appreciate the ensuing conversations. We get messages every single week from you guys yeah. and girls and people in between. Uh, seriously, like we get Facebook messages, a lot of them. We get messages on Patreon. Uh, and every single one of them means a whole lot, you know. Uh, people start discussions in the Misfit Stars private Facebook group, uh, apropos of things we've been talking about, you know, adding their own reflections. And that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all really nifty. It is. It is. So thank you so much for listening. Thanks for spending your time with us today. And uh, we will be back again next week. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who knows what will happen between now and then that will feel like it matters to talk about then. Hopefully nothing too dramatic. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I'm really down for that. Yeah. Let's fire up that good news machine. Just keep it rolling. Heck yeah. People, if you want to support what Shannon and I are doing, please do so by going to misfitstars.com slash join and signing up. Uh, You will be helping us continue to put the work into the world that we do. Thank you so much. And we will uh, see you next week. In the meantime, take good care of yourselves. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.